Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, revealed what the networks are planning as the ratings race for this year enters the home stretch. ABC News Breakfast takes top spot over today in Sunrise and the iconic Liz Hayes joins us. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. It's true, you know. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there and welcome to another big week of the TV Black Box. Aaron Ryan is in Perth and in the house. Hello, Aaron. Yes, hello, gorgeous people. And Rob, I got some positive feedback the other week when I dropped some exclusive information about Hey Hey. So I'm all dramatic, so I'm going to be spilling them off today seven or eight exclusive just for the tv black box podcast boom 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 that is coming up in a special q4 report a little later mulk is in sydney he's also in the house hello mulky mulk morning rob morning everyone i don't know anything (laughs) yes you do i know nothing Nothing. and as always the exquisite delightful oh no it's sarah monaghan in florida hello sarah Holy shit. It's the middle of hurricane season, but we're not getting any wind today, so I'm feeling pretty good. That's what I said to my doctor the other day. (laughs) All right, let's get into our news stories because COVID continues to creep into the television industry with the production team member at Sunrise returning a positive test. News presenter Edwina Bartholomew and other close contacts must complete 14 days of isolation. But in good news, Edwina's test came back negative. Mark, the studio was deep cleaned, but with numbers in New South Wales continuing to rise, hitting record highs, something like this has the potential to have a huge impact on production. It really does, Rob, and, and full credit to, to Michael Pell and the Sunrise team and Seven for do, acting so quickly mm. and doing everything that they needed to do to, to make sure that uh, the set was cleaned and safe because they still have that daily deadline, right? They've still got to yep. get a show to air. Um, uh, and look, phenomenal. I mean, Edwina, unfairly, I would say, has copped too much heat by just posting a photo of her getting vaccinated. Now, she's pregnant with their, their second uh, and I thought it was outrageous some of the comments that landed on her. I think it was a Facebook or Instagram post when she showed that she was getting, starting her vaccination cycle. Um, it, that kind of stuff actually helps save lives, and particularly for pregnant women when you're working for two, you got to do what you got to do. Um, it's safe for pregnant women to get vaccinated. That's what Eddie was showing, and it's a shame but understandable that close contacts like Eddie and a few others, even though they've come back with negative COVID tests, still have to stay isolated because that's the nature of the beast, right? You're still going to stay in that 14-day lockdown because that's how you make sure that you're okay and especially that you're not going to pass it on to someone else. I was going to say, well, with a number of uh, cases in New South Wales pushing or exceeding 1,000 per day, it seemed that this was rather 
not a if this was going to happen, but when. I mean, not particularly with Sunrise, but something affecting a major production. I thought that the interesting part of the article said that that they have a backup plans in place should the situation change at all. I'd assume that that means that they would then move to Brisbane or Melbourne. I mean, Rob, you obviously worked on Studio 10. I mean, how difficult would it be to move something like that to um, Melbourne or Brisbane? Which, when uh, it took- well, it's impossible at the moment to move to Queensland because of the hard border. I would imagine their backup plan is basically to have people in different locations. So have a live truck yeah. at Koshy's house, have a live facility at Nat's house and uh, minimal crew uh, in the studio. So yeah. I, I don't know that for a fact, but that would be my assumption. Wow. And look, the fact is, this is an ongoing problem uh, where, you know, for all of production, look at Love Island. Despite its new fun promo showcasing its Australian location, it's now been forced to drop plans to film in Port Douglas and move to northern New South Wales. Now, Newsport reported this and the change was made due to, as we've just been talking about, Queensland's tough border closures. And Newsport has the location manager, Karen Jones, confirming the news, saying ITV are devastated. This is a really hard time to be making TV, Aaron. Yeah, for sure. I just think that's it's kind of funny that you hear a report, though, with you understand about COVID delays, but something that's actually been moved from somewhere to New South Wales. <laughs> that just seems kind of bizarre because let's be honest sydney tv is focused in sydney and melbourne so a queensland location is having to take everyone on uh, on location to another state and if you can't get through that border the the border restrictions in queensland at the moment are harder than they've ever been you've got to be vaccinated you've got to be essential work you've got to have one dose of the vaccination sorry you've got to be the wife or the kids of an nrl player i mean there's all sorts of you know know i'm going to defend that by saying they are in a biosecurity bubble so they know that these people are safe so that is a different scenario this is about stopping the spread and if you have guarantees because of the way people have been isolating that then i don't i don't think that's a problem the whole point is stopping the transmission of the disease. And the NRL and the AFL, those sporting codes have gone above and beyond to keep those biosecurity bubbles in place. And I, I actually don't have a problem with that. I just don't. Until they invite, until they invite someone into the room like that their wife might get upset about. Um, the, the, <laughs> the difficulty that we face is that COVID is going to affect TV production for some time yet. Mm. We saw it affect Masked Singer directly last year. Yeah. Um, like that shut production down, which almost caused them uh, on-air problems. Um, and, and the Masked Singer will be back shortly on 10, you know, out of Sydney, freshly recorded, ready to go. Um, to have the change for Love Island is not unsurprising. We saw I'm a Celebrity relocate to you know the the Byron North Northern New South Wales um, location that the UK version has been filming from for years because they couldn't go overseas right mm. so this, or, uh, Survivor went to Queensland when it could the the real challenge right now is for any productions out of Sydney and Melbourne they are in real pickles because they really can't get out of those states to do anything even if they wanted to. Um, such is the case for New South Wales and Victoria, not far behind it either. So even relocating to from Sydney to Melbourne to do something is going to be difficult. It's actually going to prove to be quite the dilemma as we lean into the fact that, you know, we look at Lego Masters has relocated to Sydney at Hamish's request and nine thought it was a great idea from Melbourne and now Sydney's in its biggest you know, kind of COVID scenario ever. You can't Production canon will go on. No, no, that's it. Production canon will go on. It's just going to be 
a lot more challenging for, I would guess, at least the next few years. And then straight mm. away, we're going to start to see changes to um, legislation to be able to support them because, again, the initial lean around making sure that quotas were relaxed for them, that time is about to run out and that's going to have to get extended, yeah. if not completely abolished. Yeah. Well, Nine Entertainment CEO Mike Sneesby says the NRL will be interested in more than just a big payday for the next round of broadcast rights. The SMH reports all three commercial networks are in discussions with the NRL. And the NRL is looking for a minimum $115 million per year for five years payday. The news comes as Nine's share price dropped 10%, despite delivering a $184 million full-year net profit. The AFR reports that was due to more money being sunk into Stan Sport, which the paper describes as fledgling. Mulk, I thought Nine delivered a strong financial result. I don't get finance. I'm surprised by this. <laughs> yeah, look, I-, I was a little surprised as well, given that Stan Sport is now bringing $30 million a year into the coffers that they never had. And in part, not in whole, they are able to leverage and bring in sports or use resources within the broader nine mm. collective that they can do to deliver it. Now, I know that the uh, rugby union deal was a new, fresh one, so that's going to cost some money. I wouldn't have thought $30 million a year, but I don't, who knows what from Adam. Um I understand the market's reticence, given that it was only 250,000 subscribers paying the extra $10 a month. That's how we get to $30 million. Um, because it's establishing the framework is in place, right? They've got Stan, so the delivery mechanism is there. They've got Nine that has a history of live sport coverage, the delivery mechanism, the, the, the creation mechanism is in place. It's really around um, how much the sporting codes that Stan want to get either exclusively or just deliver into that bundle is going to cost them. And that, I think, is the reticence from the market, the concern that for the amount of money that sports rights cost, and we heard it right there, the NRL won $115 million a season per season for five years. Um, that's a lot of money to throw into sport when you're stand sport and you're kind of just growing. 250,000 mm. subscribers is great. In 26 million people, that's not heaps, but it's a great start. And it is the first year, Rob, and that's the catch. The market is fickle at the moment, and I entirely understand this because exactly for all of the reasons we just talked about, television production is expensive, and when COVID brings in issues around what you can and can't do and how you make things, particularly around filming sport, if you've got to have your almost entire production um, outsourced to New Queensland to film the NRL um, and you don't have all of the resources to be able to do that, that becomes an added expense. Aaron, let's talk NRL rights for a moment. The SMH says 10 is interested in the premiership and state of origin, but nine is keen not to split up the games. They put their proposal in. So basically it's open slather if the NRL rejects that proposal. Um, what do you reckon? Is the NRL deal, are they looking for loyalty or is it just about getting the most money? Yeah, I did see Mike Sneesby's comments about, um, you know, it's not purely about the the dollars. I mean, in real terms, look, if the NRL is split between networks, it's not going to have a major impact on the general viewer. If they want to watch... No, they'll bro- go where the games are. Yeah, they'll go, exactly. They'll go where the games are. So there's not going to be a general impact on the viewer or probably in terms of ratings. However, I guess as a sole broadcaster, you, you'd want to sell to the NRL and that being nine and they want to be the sole broadcaster that you might get some, yeah, you might get $20 million more with having it with a split system or whatever. But in terms of publicity, promotion, crossover effect and and having the network as one station, it, it, it could be more beneficial to the NRL. Um, so will the NRL take a loss 
possibly take a loss and go with nine and have all of that or just take the money and split across the networks? My take, Mulg, is that we're going to see a split comp. We're going to see State of Origin on a different network to the main game. I think the NRL are going to chase the bucks. This is a really interesting position that we're in because if you remember back to um, the last time that we had the sports rights get renegotiated, that was when we saw the AFL, not this most recent one, like the, the one during COVID, the one prior, the AFL Foxtel 7 conglomerate, $1.1 billion mm. for five years. The NRL, I think, was $800 million, $900 million. Insane money. Insane money. And and this is the first real example of it not going to be that again because uh, $115 million a year for five years is only $575 million, right? It's not, it's not close to that. Um, I do want to remind everybody of the great 710 AFL rights debacle where they shared games across the weekend and, and won like through a coin flip who got the first grand final and then the What's other year the was the next one. Yeah, it didn't rate anywhere near as seven owning it or ten owning it. Right, it was Good down info. by comparison. Right, um, we we are yet to move into, and I think this is the future of the AFL and, and NRL. It's interesting to look at the American model where they have Monday night football on CBS and Friday, you know, Saturday night football somewhere else, yeah. uh, where it's spread across the channels. We are a bit of a way off from that here in Australia because underpinning that this channel has this game all the time and this channel has this game all the time is the fact that they also have uh, a subscriber pass for the NFL. So you can sign up to the NFL and get every game all of the time, anytime you want via the very many methods that they have to be able to do it. Now, the Australian market can't support that the same way that the NFL or the NHL or the uh, mm. the NBA can in America. So we're behind the eight ball there. I would offer that. Uh, I think that nine are going to do absolutely everything they can to hold on to it because they will not want part of the NRL. They will not want to yeah. see, definitely not want to see state of origin go anywhere, no. but to nine. And I know that seven have been sniffing around just to get the state of origin games. They are the biggest games of sport other yeah. than uh, the grand finals and the tennis final every year, quite often in the top two. Um, so, of course, every network wants them. It makes the most sense that they are bundled together, whoever has the NRL rights, to be able to, to, to deliver that. And I think that Nine's value proposition to the NRL isn't just now have a look at Nine now, have a look at our longstanding reputation and record, have a look at all of those things, but also have a look at what Stan Sport can offer you, even to the point where that could, it won't, cut out Foxtel. Um, it won't. Their pockets are deep. Um, but they're a big player in this as well. And and I would expect whatever deal nine come to the party with, there is an additional or, or counter proposal that includes Foxtel because they want every game that is part of their sports platform that keeps them alive. All right. The ABC's Media Watch has taken aim at reality TV shows over advertising integration, calling them cringeworthy plugs. Host Paul Barry showed examples from Channel 10 Survivor and Bachelor, which included rewards of KFC. Sarah, I'm actually not sure what the point of this story was. Shock! Horror! Reality TV has advertising in it. Is this a big deal or am I missing the point? Has he never seen the Truman Show? I mean, that was the whole... That's how you make money. And it's not new. I mean, people have always done it. I mean, but and every show does it. Like, even I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here has, you know, like, they win KFC in the middle of the African jungle. And I'm like, how fresh is that? I'll take a pass. Um, but, you know, every single show does this. And even 
even regular scripted <laughs> television, I mean, especially in the US, like on US TV, you're watching, and we make fun of certain shows. It's like, oh, they must be sponsored by Fiji water because that's the only thing they drink, yeah. you know? And it's obvious. And, you know, like when the Coke can is turned towards the screen instead of, you know, being a generic soda. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're sipping it funny. It, it, everything is paid. I mean, and I'm surprised that Australia is just catching on because it's a I, huge I, thing. We're not just catching on. This is the thing. The Block has been doing it for years. Every show. I'm a big fan of Media Watch. Really respect the show. But, I mean, you go to Bunnings. You don't go to the, the hardware store. You're going to a specific hardware store. I mean, that's Correct. just this, that's how you make your money. This just seemed like the biggest waste of resources for the ABC to say, I, I don't even know what the point is. Were they saying it's bad or is it just cringeworthy? What was the point? What were they exposing? We know integration in reality TV shows Maybe exist. that guy is still on bed rest and they don't have any good stories. Uh, he's no, back. Was he was back, back last night. Uh, I've got to say, it was like, maybe it was. Maybe Paul Barry turned on commercial TV while he was in hospital and went, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, there's ads in these reality TV shows. I mean... It was like someone from the ABC actually got out of a coma and turned on the TV and had a look and went, oh, my God, we've now discovered what Australian TV viewers have known for 20 bloody years. This was just (laughs) woeful. I I just don't understand it. And yet there will be a large segment of the market that never realised that integration was a thing. We get to talk about it because we know about it because, Rob, you've worked in the industry, you understand how it functions, you've done deals So they're yourself. just not being subtle about it anymore. I, and that, Sarah, is absolutely, I think, the, the shock awe and grasping at the, um, you know, the corsets of what was going on. The fact that it was so blatant. <laughs> Right, I and, mean, and I get it, in, right? We even all in know. the Hey Dad days, you know, Nudge always ate a, a Big Mac. You know, there was a the whole thing about, like, he mm. would recite the, you know, the, the two all beef patty special sauces. Patty special sauces, cheese, pickles, and then, you know, we, and sometimes we did some charity stuff because for, like, several years we did, like, the 40-hour famine. So it wasn't always that you were selling a product. Sometimes you were selling a charity. And, like, we did the one where I got electrocuted and we sold, like, the St. John's first aid course. I mean, it's just, it's always been there. If only, Sarah, if only they'd done one where they talked about old men touching little girls. (laughs) Is that too soon? (laughs) Okay. And the results are in from our TV Black Box poll on which TV show has Australia's best breakfast team. After over 6,000 votes, Michael Rowland and Lisa Miller from ABC's News Breakfast have been deemed the winners by a country mile. Coming in second was today's Carl Stepanovic and Alison Langdon, leaving Nat Barr and David Kosh in third place. Aaron, do these results surprise you? Well... To a degree. I did see a little bit of tweeting from the ABC. I'm not sure if that has... That's a fair play. Hang on. That, there's nothing wrong with that. Anyone could have I mean, tweeted. I that's how you win a I, gold logie these days. That's I, right. I didn't say that it uh, that it was wrong. I said you asked did it surprise me. I said based <laughs> on some of the Twitter stuff, I'm guessing not. But I really think this is a good opportunity, though, to acknowledge what the ABC do. Everyone talks about Sunrise and Today and, and the ratings and everything that they do. I mean, they're on air every single day, I'm guessing for a significantly less budget than what Sunrise and Today do. And mm. they do a really good breakfast program, and they really are very close in ratings. On some days, they've beaten t- today or they've been, you know, 20,000. It's actually very, very close. Um, and, 
you know, when big news breaks, you see that, that you know, the news breakfast um, ratings go up significantly. And I think what those two do is, is fantastic. It, it is an excellent point of difference to to today and Sunrise. And I hope this is a little bit of a of an acknowledgement about what they do as well. Yeah, and look, the fact is that um, a lot of people got behind and voted for ABC News Breakfast, and I think it's a fair enough thing. I think it's a great credit to the show and to the team. The transition from Virginia Trioli to Lisa Miller has been fantastic, and Virginia's a big part of that. They are a good team, to be honest. We're really spoiled in this country. They're all great teams, but I think it's well-deserved to ABC News Breakfast, and congratulations from everyone at TV Black Box. Let's get into the ratings race for week 35, and it was another big week for Team Red with The Voice and Paralympics delivering a total people win and all the key demos. Seven had a network share of 35.5% in the five cap cities, while Team Blue delivered 25.4% ahead of Team Trump's 17.0%. The national broadcaster was in fourth spot with 14.8% and SBS had 7.4%. The pattern was the same in primary channels. Malt, Survivor and Have You Been Paying Attention are keeping the Trumpians in the game, even though Bachelor is a disaster. How is 10 doing compared to the rest of the year? I've got to say, at a glance... They seem to be in a better place than even when MasterChef was on. Yeah, their Q3 has performed better than their Q2. That's absolutely the case. Um, The problem for 10 overall is that they are moments of sort of highlight, right? They have things happen, they spark up, and then they fizzle out. Yeah. There's no kind of... I'm sure they have a full year strategy. The challenge is that the shows that support it actually don't support it at the level that they need it to. Mm. If they had shows that continually uh, rated in the, um, you know, Survivor, uh, have you been paying attention, even I'm a celebrity levels, sort of consistently across the year, it would be a very different TV landscape. It's just Mm. too up and down for 10. Uh, And that is, you know, indeed uh, part of seven and absolutely nine strength that across across the year, their schedule is consistent. Um, Things will change place and they need to because of all sorts of reasons. Um, For 10, I think they're actually in, look, I really want to see making it do well. I think it's a really great (laughs) format. And I think that with Susie Youssef and Harley Breen at the front of it, What's funny about that? I think it's going to be a disaster. Well, that's great. You can think it's a disaster. I think it's a really great format. They've got the right people in front of it. I'm not sure that Wednesday night, 7.30 is the right place to put it, but, you know, they're slotting it in. The problem will be that the Masked Singer is going to shine bright and then fall away. It'll it, it As it stands, it runs too long anyhow. So we all get over-guessing who it is, and by the time we get to the last two weeks, we all know who everybody is anyway. Mm. Um it just how you tighten that that format, I don't know. But after the mask singer and that, I don't know that they've got much coming. So it's going to be a real challenge for ten to see out the year after those things come through. Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? That Aaron, the Bachelor, really has been a disaster. Do you rest it for a year? Do you bring it back? And what if the Bachelorette's a disaster? That's two major franchises that ten have to seriously reconsider. Perhaps next year they could consider doing one of the series. Um, I, I I don't think it's a disaster per se. I think I've it's said the this lowest before. ratings ever. The yeah, Bachelor's I, sucked. I, 
Uh, no, I'm just saying I think that this particular season sucked. Uh, I don't think it's it's the whole format that should necessarily go in the bin. It might be have been overexposed before, having three franchises in one year with Bachelor in Paradise as well. I think it might be time next year just to do perhaps one mm. one season and just do it really well. And maybe they'll have to go down the, the celebrity route again. I mean, I don't really particularly like that, but, but you know, that does rate a lot better. The The thing is that you've got to have replacement programming and there doesn't seem to have been a strategy to bring across new programming to replace tired formats. And The Bachelor is But that's is everyone, tired. Rob. That's not just 10. That's everybody. Like we're maybe, seeing it with the fact... Sorry, Sarah. Maybe no, no, Maybe they could do like pilot week, but instead of it being <laughs> one week, they could do a different show every week for the entire length of The Bachelor season. No, I've got <laughs> major problems the with the way they do pilot week. It could be the biggest thing on TV that leads to actual shows, but that's a whole different story. And Go to previous episodes of this podcast to hear my rants on that. Uh, I had entirely <laughs> forgotten that there was a season of The Bachelorette still to come. Yeah. Um, and that's how, I think as much as anything, that's how much of a stink The Bachelor has left on me that I'm not looking forward to The Bachelorette because, you know, they've got a returning lady who, and this is the first time they've had a bisexual lady as The Bachelorette, so there's going to be blokes and women courting her in that regard. I know, I, I know that it feels... The problem is that now it feels like they're grasping at straws. When they first pitched it, I actually went, yeah, you know, I think this is first. a great idea. But but this is the catch. It's it's very generally, while they've had both the formats there, it's always been the Bachelor into Bachelorette. And Why does the man usually, always come first? Well, maybe the girl isn't doing a job properly or he can't hang on. Um, the, the, the challenge has always been that except for, like, the Sophie Monk series, um, the Bachelor has always way outrated the bachelorette and so that doesn't bode well but because this with brooke as the the bachelorette i think there's a a capacity for it to rate better god it has to rate better than the bachelor holy crap has the bachelor ever recovered from the honey badger like people were so bitter about that did they ever like let go you know what the guy was honest i I that guy copped so much crap and all he said was you know what I can't fulfill the the promise because I'm not into these two girls, you know. Like, yeah, I, and I, don't fake it for six months until like you know your contract's over, and then be like, "No, nah, we're done." I think he did the perfect ending. I one respected no one expected. him. I I think it, it it's just bizarre how people turned on him. But look, the fact is, Mark, I'm going to say I don't yeah. think the Bachelorette is going to do the business. I don't think yeah, Australians really care about, about a same-sex bisexual Bachelorette. And look, here's the thing. I'm all for diversity and equality on TV. But And, and look, I, I actually applaud this. It should be the norm. I just don't think it is yet. And I just don't... I also think we're at a time where viewers aren't going to care. The younger viewers who, uh, you know... Just think, well, why shouldn't The Bachelorette be um, bisexual? Not a problem. Older viewers are going to go, don't want to see it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misjudging Australia here. They're going to have to pull out some hot, like some some threesomes in the hot tub for it to rain up. <laughs> God, Sarah. Well, Look, maybe that'll be the promo. It's a challenge because they 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 really have to um they really have to promote well. And you're right, Rob. I think it, it's it's in a bit of a fraught position. Yeah. However, the thing that I want to put to you is that we're not going to see things change until we see 
this stuff become normalized by it being seen on television. So it's I, the first I time agree. out. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult position because there'll be a salacious edge to it when really it should just be normal. Let's also acknowledge that the Bachelor and the Bachelorette are not actually places that you go to find love. Not really. <laughs> These things but are televised meat markets, and it is an insane proposition. On that mark, what I would just say, I agree with everything you just said about what we should be seeing on TV. Not a problem at all. The reality is 10 are trying to drive viewers to watch their product. They are a commercial entity. Sure, yeah. Um, are they supposed to be the cultural warriors bringing in change when you're trying to balance, when you're a third place, sometimes fourth place network, trying to deliver revenue and ratings? And look, I, I don't actually have the answer to that and I'm not criticising 10 for mm. having a go at that. I, I'm genuinely not. I'm just not convinced it's going to work and I will happily praise them if it does because I want to be proven wrong. I, I really do. I want it's to be a proven wrong. Who does it? Who mm. does it? Yeah. And if not 10 at this point, who will? Well, I don't know. Aaron, I think we just have to acknowledge the voice on mm. 7 continues to go gangbusters and Paralympics is doing well. Oh, absolutely. So the voice still going uh, over 1 million viewers. I, I have given Nine a bit of a, uh, you know, given a bit of a beating the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, I was just trying to get some positive stuff out of this. But I just looked at last week's ratings. I mean, if, if Nine were able to say the block was a competitive second, then I'd go, well, you know, it's, it's there. But apart from the Sunday episode, of course, which rates quite well, Australian Survivor is outrating the block and if you look at august the 23rd last week 7 30 was it was was within 1000 viewers in that uh, you know half hour time slot of actually beating the block it's um it, the it 7 30 lee sales show yeah so it was it, correct it was almost fourth in its slot so i mean that's not good news for nine and also no. on saturday night the afl beat the nrl in brisbane um i i don't have any confirmation on this but that could be a first um so, you know, there's a few things going on there and I will raise a point and I'm not that, sure. That could also be, read the NRL, is that people can actually go to the games up here now and so they're not watching them on the TV because they're at the game. So, and it's finals but, time, right? Yeah. It's like it's, it's death. Your team is either in or out at that point, elimination finals. So, and, and speaking about nine, though, there are some troubles, obviously, with the block, but there is some good news if you do look at the year-to-date results. So, as a network, though, I mean, seven are leading the year total people, survey, calendar, with or without Easter, the two weeks of Olympics, that's all fine. But in terms of demos, nine are in survey without the Olympics, still lead the year in the demos. It's a knife edge in 16 to 39, about 0 0.3. But in tw 25 to 54, it's about 2.2 points. So it's very possible that nine will still win the year 25 to 54. It might and that's their core demo. That's the one they say they're chasing. That's right. It may come down pretty close depending on how the last couple of months come out. But they are actually in front 25 to 54 and 16 to 39 at the moment. In terms of just last week, the Olympics are gone, but seven, well, the main Olympics, but seven have had their biggest week outside of the Olympics this year. So um, that is definitely, uh, you know, obviously due to the voice um, and the, the AFL and home and away and the Paralympics, everything's going on for them. Nine came third in 16 to 39. So, and in the under 50s, because we, have talked about that before. Mm -hmm. um, nine is in front, um, about one, uh, 
in front by about 1.3 points ahead of seven. And 10, they're nine points behind nine in third spot. Very <laughs> undisputed under 50s. It's such a shocking thing that if you're going to try and claim yourself to be a certain demo, you want to be really strong in that demo. To be coming third while you're trying to paint the other networks as old, you know, and and you can't win the demo you're claiming, uh, that's just bad marketing, bad thinking, bad strategy. It's terrible, actually. Uh, it just leaves yourself wide open. But they just, they, it doesn't matter because they identify as, you know, in the top. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sarah, wow. Um, jeepers. I, I think it's going to be interesting this coming week, so when we discuss ratings next week, to see if uh, Nine's uh, much-promoted cheating scandal for the block pays off as much as they really want it slash need it to. Um, uh I have been able to see this week's episodes of The Block and it just consumes the episodes. They do get some building done, but it is nowhere, nowhere in the front focus around what, who did what, who got what photo, who did the thing. It's actually really well played out. And I have some great um, sizzle from uh, a, pro- a producer on The Block that the hangover from this week's cheating scandal actually impacts relationships across the season um, in a way that isn't great, but it makes for great television. And look, when you're building a house just in and of yourself, you need great relationships with your neighbors. When you're doing it on the block and your neighbors are your con- you know, fellow contestants, you need great relationships with your neighbors. Mm. Good sizzle. All right. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Australia is set to miss the Junior Eurovision Song Contest for the second straight year in a row due to ongoing travel restrictions. Kevin Perry confirmed the news on the TV Black Box website with SBS saying they will not broadcast the Junior Eurovision Song Contest in 2021. Fox News has threatened the ABC with legal action over the Four Corners investigation into the company's role in the riots on Capitol Hill on January 6th. The SMH reports a legal letter was sent to ABC Chair Ida Butros and Managing Director David Anderson on August 22. Embattled Liberal MP Andrew Lamming has launched defamation proceedings against Mine after a TV news report he claims injured his character and reputation, according to The Australian. While Nine would not comment, the company has not apologised. Billionaire businessman Kerry Stokes will step down as executive chairman of Seven Group Holdings in November, but remain as chairman of both Seven West Media and Australian Capital Equity. And US television actor Ed Asner, winner of a record seven Emmy Awards, has died at age 91. Asner rose to fame playing newsroom boss Lou Grant on The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Still ahead, a special report into what the networks are planning as the ratings race for this year enters the home stretch. The iconic Liz Hayes joins us and we'll find out what everyone's been watching this week. You're listening to TV Black Box. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Well, it's hard to believe we are heading into the final quarter of the year and there's a lot at stake for the TV networks. Aaron Ryan has this special report on what we can expect in the coming months and weeks. Aaron, what have you discovered? Well, a few little um, bits and pieces. So The Block, uh, first of all, the final episode is expected to air on the 7th of November. I guess what is significant about that is it was expected to be running until the end of survey. This will give them about a three-week gap of programming um, between the end of The Block and the end of the survey year. So that is The Block information. Mm. Also, Love Island update. Um, TV Black Box got out first the promo for the new season. We know that it's uh, now moving to uh, northern New South Wales. But we have a date. It appears that the show will air on Monday the 4th of October, the night after the NRL Grand Final. So there'll be a big promotional push um, and then... It'll run into uh, run to the end of survey. Um, the show will air on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at about eight thirty ish. So four nights is, a week. Yeah, four nights a week, Monday to Thursday. It's a lot. It's a lot. From the fourth of November, that information obviously is as of today. That's where it's going um, after the NRL Grand Final. So during that during that week. Hmm. In other news, the parent jury. Do you remember that uh, show for the nine up? Joe Frost with Joe Frost. Yes, Super Nanny. Coming, coming. A show coming for twenty twenty one. Well, it is coming, but it will be coming in December out of survey. But um, it's not usually the case that you'll have a big promotional show in your upfronts and then waste it in December. Now, I did mention. Hang on, wasting it. Yes. Like, all of the networks program for 48, 50, 52 weeks a year. December's part of that, as far as I can tell. As you know, when you have the upfronts and you're announcing your big, huge shows for the next year, almost none of them end up in summer the following year. The only reason that ever happens is because they've lost faith in the show. There's a possibility. I mean, this is as of now where that's going. I mean, there's a possibility. Isn't that what a multi-channel's for? That's where you put shows that you lose faith in. Or summer, multi-channels or summer. I'm a celebrity airs in summer. Almost exclusively. There is a possibility, obviously, with a three-week gap that they will move the show into that three-week gap, but it would still go into December. But whether they've lost faith in it or they haven't, I don't know. I speculate that. I certainly would be announcing something at an upfront uh, for the next year as all the big shows that they have done and and then put it in the summer schedule. That's not the usual way that it runs. And... But, I mean, you can make what you like out of that. But it will mm. run in December. Perhaps they'll move it into the three-week gap and then run it into December as well. So Why wouldn't they? What are they going to put after the block if not? Desert Vet. That's about all they've got left. I have no idea. So uh, that's the parent jury um, information. The other information is Lego Masters. Now, obviously, for the last three seasons, they've had the normal seasons in April, and that's it. But I can reveal there is going to be a Lego Masters Christmas special this year. That's awesome. I can't give you any of the details about exactly what the special's about, but there is a brand new Lego Masters Christmas special that is happening this year. Wow. 
What else do you want? Australian crime stories and million-dollar mysteries. Now, COVID has impacted the season of Australian crime stories. Normally, eight episodes per season are delivered to nine at minimum. But due to COVID... um, and this is happening with all the net networks and restrictions. Only four episodes were completed. So it's four and out this season for the show. Um, it ends, I think, yeah, not I think, it ends this week, Wednesday, in Sydney and Brisbane and Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth on Thursday. The other big show that they announced, uh, Nine announced, was Million Dollar Mysteries. Um, that has been caught up in COVID delay as well and will not air this year. It is on track, though, for 2022 and will be hosted by former New South Wales detective Deborah Wallace, just like Seven do with Ron Idles on Homicide. The show will also undergo a name change and be called Million Dollar Murders and will run for six episodes next year on Nine. Another one, um, Nine announced Beach House Escapes. All I can tell you with that one is that it will not be airing this year. I can't, I couldn't find out whether it was COVID delayed or whether it was just being scrapped entirely, but Beach House Escapes will not air this year. Uh, the First Inventors on Channel 10, um, it's a documentary special that they advertised for this year and also to run on NITV. I don't know if you remember that one. Mm. I can reveal this is another COVID delay, but this one's definitely not killed off. Uh, they will just move that to 2022. Another ratings disaster in the pipeline. I have no idea. It actually looks really good. It's a do- it's a documentary series, though. It's not like a reality series like exactly you know. because documentaries do so well on Australian TV, <laughs> especially on Ten. But uh, yeah. Oh well, let's go to Seven now. Um, another show that's been, I guess, postponed and will not air in 2021 is the All New Monty. Um, obviously, due to getting cast together all, all you know from all around Australia they won't be doing that it was a very high rating show for them last year but that one is off due to covid mm, and one that can't has... postpone that enough <laughs> <laughs> well they're not going to not with the ratings that it got last year for the for the special they they had a guy special and a, and a and a girl special and it rated through the roof but another one that's just come in now is, here we go do you Everyone knows Crime Investigation Australia. So it airs on Seven, but it's just a reworking of the Foxtel series. So basically it airs on Foxtel, then Seven pinch it and, and put a new host and, you know, a Channel 7 host and a Channel 7 narration, and then they just present the episodes, and that's what's been airing lately on Channel 7. Well, I can reveal that Seven is about to go it alone, and they're going to make fresh episodes of the series um, so it will be Crime Investigation Australia, but it will not be the reworkings and revisions of the Foxtel series. It will be their very own series. Wow. All right, Aaron, a lot to take away from there. And, of course, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things do play out. As you say, things change by the day. We have upfronts around the corner. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what's announced by nine on September 15. Other upfronts are coming up as well. And so there's a lot happening in the TV world as we get through to the end of the year and COVID plays its part. Meanwhile, it's very hard to find a more iconic journalist in this country than Liz Hayes. Once upon a time, we woke up to her smiling face on the Today Show and now we go to bed with her on under a cover investigation. And I'm thrilled to say... Liz, welcome to TV Black Box. Thank you very much, Rob. Now, you have obviously been in the television industry a long time. Under Investigation is going great guns. What is it about true crime that's connecting with the audience? 
True crime is one of those parts of life that not many of us partake, I think. And um, (laughs) I believe that perhaps we are um, intrigued. We want to understand why people do the things they do. Uh, We want to kind of know what they do and and how dreadful it is even. There is a bit of a macabre, um, you know, um, voyeurism about us all. Um, It's interesting. Women really love crime Mm. and I think I think that might be because women are intrigued as to why human beings do what they do as opposed to the the gore but um it 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 does resonate and I I've I've thought about it a lot and I've not come up with a definitive answer other than I think it's because not many of us statistically participate in terrible crime so it's it's really interesting I do a true crime podcast with someone known as the serial killer whisperer who actually converses via letters with serial killers and I'm new to that world in that I've never really been a true crime fan but the people I'm talking to they're really fanatical about it and it's this interesting side it's normal as you say it's normal mums who are out there living their normal lives but they're obsessed by this true crime aspect of life Mm. And I think a lot of them also um, are sitting there watching uh, a story unfold and they like to think that they can solve it as mm. well. You know, they they do participate in uh, looking at the clues and going, aha. Um, and, and I understand that. It's, it, quite often these are puzzles which, um, you know, uh, everybody thinks, ah, oh, I bet it's such and such or, you know, I know what's going to happen next. And I think that's part of it as well. Immersing yourself to the degree where you think you can potentially, you know, make the arrest. What's been the biggest uh, lesson you've learnt delving into the world of true crime? Um, I don't know whether there's lessons, but I think that um, understanding uh, nothing is black and white. Or rarely, as it put it that way. I think that um, there are always layers of behaviour in human beings and it's really about um, the triggers uh, and what makes people do what they want, the terrible things that they do and at at what point. And that's what I find intriguing. You can't just normally go in and say, well, um, in an upcoming um, episode, so she killed that person and that's obvious, um, that should never have happened. But then when you find out what's going on in her life and Mm. understand that potentially she was worn down, you know, worn down as a human being and, you know, she had a cheating partner and it, you can almost understand but never find it acceptable, of course, but you can understand why people snap because they get worn down and they're things to be remembered, I think, that, you know, as human beings, I don't think we're all wake up in our cots and want to kill someone. (laughs) I, I really do think that, you know, it takes a lot for human beings to get there. Some people obviously are sociopaths and have mm. a have a you know a, a mental health issue ultimately and just seem to um, there are very small numbers who who love being cruel or and killers but um, I think by and large how we get there I think is probably important for me to understand because I like to understand and be fair I think to human beings. What's always fascinating to me is not only the person who commits a murder but the people who help them bury the body or help them cover it up. 
Yeah, well, because, you know, for again, for a variety of reasons, whether it be fear, whether it be vested interest, whether it be, um, I don't know, whether they, they had some thought that they would have liked to have done that themselves, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> people do participate in protection and, yes. um, as well, and that's interesting. Talk to me about coming from 60 Minutes into this show. Obviously, you're within a very safe brand of 60 Minutes. You, in, in with the programming department, create this new show. Obviously, you're still with 60 Minutes. But when you go out on your own, talk to me about the pressure of launching a new show with your name attached to it. Well, um, I put my head up for it. So just to give you some context, uh, Gareth Harvey, the supervising producer, and I, and a a couple of others from 60 Minutes, um, basically went to programming and said we would like to offer up this as an idea. And um, to their credit, programming said yes, and Michael Healy in particular said, I'd like to see that. So... um, you know, we were up for it. We mm. were interested. We, we'd already seen um, that we could be successful to a degree in, you know, specialising on a particular uh, story. So, to be honest, I, it was in the middle of COVID. We were ready for the challenge. And so, me stepping out of uh, 60 Minutes to to use my brand, if you like, um, whatever that is, <laughs> to be to be part of a new show is challenging. And, you you know, you ride by the seat of your pants. I mean, 60 Minutes, of course, comes with a template produced in America, um, which has great um, branding attached to it. You know, it's just, it's a brilliant um, brand. But under investigation brand new and uh, i've got to say it is uh, it is a moment where you go okay well here we go <laughs> mm. and you can and and there's no reason to believe it's going to be a wild success at all um, there's every reason to believe late at night <laughs> Um, and six minutes has already found that, you know, mm. um, it, it's it's a tough crowd and it gets a bit crowded as well. Um, and people are ready for bed. There's all sorts of things against you. So to find a core viewer so early in the piece, it seems, um, I'm hugely grateful and um you know, there's a little bit of a sigh of relief, but I'm not that person who can let you know untie the knot yet. I'm a long way from that. I think, you know, it's still, still, we're still working our way through. Which is great. It's interesting, but the way 60 Minutes has changed shooting now because of COVID will have long-term effects. I know that. Even when restrictions ease and people can travel internationally, there is talk going around that there won't be the travel that was usually associated with 60 Minutes. How will that change the life of reporters who were usually on on the road overseas for, what was it, six months of the year or something like that? Yeah, look, I can tell you, I was I was out of my own bed for at least six or seven months of the mm. year. Um, look, I think it's a, a natural uh, progression, really. Um, I've not had that discussion with the future of the program in terms of what do we do if, you know, the planes go back in the sky. I, we will always travel, in my opinion. Um, uh, but we've found ways to not have to travel as much, perhaps. Mm. Um, but, uh, look, I think in the end it's still... 
uh, about being able to bring to the screen compelling stories. And uh, it, it shouldn't matter how we do it as long as we can. But, of course, being on the ground and seeing for yourself and, you know, interviewing in their, people in their location is a huge plus. Mm. Uh, and, and I presume it, it, it look the world, you know, turns on a budget and um, 60 Minutes will be no different. What's been your favourite uh, experience on a 60-minute shoot? <laughs> hmm. uh, good question. Um, <laughs> if, only I could, uh, if only I could wrap that up in 30 seconds. Um, no idea. I don't, don't even know where to begin. Um, look, I, I think 60 Minutes is a program that certainly... Um, can, uh, well, did and still can, I think, um, just expose you to uh, the most extraordinary of people. Um, and I think that that's always the thing that resonates with me, the, the faith, the trust that you have to build mm. with people um, to, you know, make them feel comfortable to, and safe to a certain degree, um, but also the ability to, um, you know, um, forage in places you thought you would never go, you know? I mean, I never thought I'd sleep in a one-man tent in the Arctic Circle, and I did. <laughs> Amazing. Liz, I can put this no simpler. You are one of the TV greats. It has always been a thrill to watch you. It is more of a thrill to talk to you, even when I, you wouldn't know this, but if I ever passed you in the Channel 9 corridor, I'd give a sly look and go, oh my God, that's Liz Hayes. Uh, I, hope, I can't believe that. I, I promise you it's true. Um, <laughs> if I hope you continue to do what you do for many years to come. I thank you so much, Rob. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm up for it. So thank you so much. Uh, under investigation is every Monday after the block. Liz Hayes, thanks for being on TV Black Box. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to find out what everyone's been watching as we zoom to the home stretch of our own podcast. Mog, what's been on your list? Heaps, Rob. I've managed to find some time and, and get my life balanced out. Plus, there's been a whole lot of um, screeners start to flow in as all of the, particularly streamers, but all the networks are throwing at us the stuff that they've got coming uh, in Q4. Um, I, I watched all of the preview episodes of Lula Rich, the Amazon documentary about Lula Rowe. Um, Sarah, you might know uh, who that is. I didn't know who they were at all, uh, except that I've now learned they're a multi-level marketing scheme that sold uh, or do sell still leggings and stuff, dresses yeah, and skirts and things. Um, yeah, look, it is. Um, it was made by the people who made the Fire Festival doco. That was why I watched <laughs> it, and I'm so glad I did because it is horrendous. I cannot believe that Lula Rose still exists as a company. It is gobsmacking to watch. That's on Amazon starting next week. Um, I watched the Disney Gallery Mandalorian season two finale on Disney Plus. I love that. It made me want to watch the whole series again. The reveal of um, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker in that final episode um, was delightful in the first instance, and to Wait, see is the that effort. Spoiler? Mate, it's like a year old nearly. Like, if you haven't seen it by now, you weren't going to see it. Um, That's not true, Mog. A year, Rob. A year. He still doesn't want to give away the ending of Psycho. You don't, <laughs> exactly. I, I, there is no time limit on spoilers in my view. The entire episode is about the final episode of season two. Suck it up, kids. <laughs> it's great. Um, I devoured Kevin Can F Himself on Amazon. This is a new take on basically a very dark comedic look at what happens when 
the sitcom lights turn off. What happens if the show is real life? So it's looking at the the long-suffering wife of sitcom guy. Think, you know, like the King of Queens kind of scenario. And Yeah, so it's always a like, hot wife and a fat dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. And she's the hot wife and he's horrendous, as sitcoms are. What's that and called? It's called Kevin Can F Himself. As in fuck himself. Yeah, I understand. Um, it's the girl, it's the girl from you, Schitt's Creek. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the Annie Murphy, I think it is, um, uh, from Schitt's Creek. It's brilliant. And Amazon have already called for season two. And season one kind of sets for that. It's incredible because even the lighting change, it's shot like a the sitcom parts are shot like a, a you know three-camera sitcom and bright lights and all of the rest of it. And then when it goes into real life, she's walking around outside and it's dark and dreary and her life is crap and things are horrible. And, her, you know, clearly her husband is horrific to her, but how does she survive that? What does that look like? Um, hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, what We Do in the Shadows kicks off this week on Binge and on Foxtel. Uh, season three, it picks up right where season two left off. I won't spoil that, Rob. Thank you. Um, but it is phenomenally funny. Great television. Matt Berry, again, is great. The whole cast are phenomenal. Love What We Do in the Shadows. That's on Binge and Fox Showcase. The one that I want to talk about really quickly, I've seen both episodes of Mirror Mirror, the new Todd Sampson um self-image, you know, kind of documentary that's coming next week to 10, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, And I'm going to say this is must-watch television. If you have tweens or teens or young adults, sit down and watch it with them. The way that it talks about how identity is developed, the way that everyone is manipulated to think who they are and why you need to buy um, makeup or that thing or get this procedure done or do whatever it is, there's some really frank discussion about self-image and how we're manipulated and how it's so hard to build a healthy self-image in today's society, given that just pressure that comes from advertising and all and things like Instagram and all of the rest of it. Um, Todd lays his cards on the table early and says that he was part of the problem. So he doesn't shy away from it. He acknowledges straight up that as a guy who helped run advertising agencies and run campaigns, he helped make this. Uh, and what he uncovers in that two-part conversation with people across Australia is some look some really sad people that are doing some pretty horrific things to themselves just to feel better, mm. um, as well as people who are struggling to just say that look, I'm happy in who I am, and you all should be happy with it too because I'm happy with it. Like mm. it, it's it's a, an incredible look at the idea of body and self-image and all that sort of things. Mirror Mirror is on Wednesday, Thursday next week on 10. And I've got to tell you, watch it. Watch it okay. any way you can. Thank you, Mark. Uh, my list is not very big. I've been devouring eight out of 10 cats. I'm now turned to BritBox. So I've gone from Prime Video to SBS to now BritBox to get my fix because they've all got different episodes and different deals. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is now on BritBox as well. The newsroom on the ABC continues to impress. The Voice on 7 is just much watched TV. The kids and I watch Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle on Netflix. And uh, other than that, I watch a lot of news-based programming, Uh, the 6pm newsers, the Four Corners, the Media Watchers and all that kind of stuff. Sarah, have you been watching anything this week? Well, I took a couple of days off to go lay poolside at the spa in Miami. But apart from that, um, <laughs> I saw uh, the um, Matt Long had put on Instagram that there was a new season of Manifest coming out. Um, and Matt is the loveliest person. I worked with him 
on Jack and Bobby. And this is the worst fucking show on television. I only watch it because of him. But when I said, oh, they're making a season four, and we'd only made it through season one and two, and I thought that Matt, my Matt wouldn't find season three, and so he started playing it yesterday because he thought that when I said, oh, they're making a season four, that that meant I wanted to watch season three. Um, so <laughs> apart from that, um, we watched um, the first four episodes of Nine Perfect Strangers. Um, and that was so good. Um, we rewatched the first half of season five of Billions because I love that show. That is probably my favorite show on TV. Um, oh, apart from so the fact good. that, you know, I day trade and so it's just my thing. Um, but it is such a good show. And then, of course, um, we logged back in and I got to watch in the screening room uh, RFDS which I think is going to go gangbusters if they sell it to overseas markets because it mm. is it is that they've just put so much Australiana into it which I know Australians probably won't even notice or care but every expat and every American is just going to lap that shit up mm. and I love the way that they really do in every episode they put in some kind of yarn or backstory or like yeah yeah, and it's just and they put it in so subtly that you probably wouldn't even notice unless you're sitting next to an american and you're like do you understand that and you know and then it's a conversation piece so i am loving that show um just brilliant drama too right so it's, well it's a, written so it's well performed so well written it's yeah. so well shot i mean it's it's actually got like it's got it's a it's probably one of the best australian productions that i have seen and I know I'm, I'm homesick and I say that, but I think even just watching it, it is, it is a phenomenal production and I hope that they keep going with it because it is, it is really, really well done. I've got to say, Back to the Rafters must be getting close because I was sent a screener yesterday. I haven't yes. watched it yet. So Few I'll weeks. be looking – right, I'll be looking at that um, before our next episode. Aaron, what have you been watching? <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching a few things. Um, American Horror Story has started with a brand new season. It's on Binge. Uh, my favourite sort of cameo or or recurring character in this series is Macaulay Culkin. Obviously, everyone knows him from Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin plays a gay prostitute. And let me say, getting sucked takes on a whole new meaning with this, I know that sounds rude, but if you've watched it or you're going to watch it, you'll understand exactly what I mean. Absolutely fantastic American okay. horror story. The newsreader, absolutely loving it. Loving Under Investigation with Liz Hayes. She's one of my favourite journalists, um, which is fantastic. The 100 is actually, I thought the concept might get a bit weaker over a few weeks, but I'm still loving it. Um, the episode that last aired had um, Hamish Blake with Andy Lee, and I thought that was Hilarious. They play also, really well off each other, don't they, Aaron? They do. They could easily have him as the, you know, one the guy that's there every week and then and then rotate the other two. That would be hilarious. I had a friend um, of mine who was uh, in the recording on the weekend. He was one of the hundred. Uh, uh, and he talked about, just, like, it, he said it's not the worst thing he could do, but it's not the best thing he could do. They were on Zoom calls. I think he said for like seven hours to record oh two episodes. God. Yeah, it's a long Jesus. time. And when they cut to when they're having production breaks or discussions, that they kill the camera to the studio, so they can't see what's going on. Um, he did say that Andy is pretty direct around. We're going to talk about this, or we'll take here, or do these kinds of things. So he's kind of running the show, working with the director. Um, but 
here's a little bit of inside information. When they ask the 100 to, to submit their answers to the surveys, it's all fake. They, they're they all told to, you know, lean down and pretend like you're doing something because they all answered a survey the day before in a Google spreadsheet. Um, ah. The magic of television, right? But that's what you do in COVID, right? You can't send everybody a tablet or, you know, build an app when you can just get them to fill out a survey the day before. Hang um, on, why is- can't you have a button as part of the website that you've created for them to hook into and have a vote now button. I, I mean, I know that's a bit of R&D. Because it's heaps more expensive to make than having a producer create a Google, a, a Google um, mm. you know, survey. Um, I it, hate it is, that shit. When you look at, at the 100, it's four different Zoom calls. So it's four Zoom calls of 25 people that they just push together in the screen to make it look like it's 100. It is 100 people, but it's... You know, that's the magic of television. Welcome to it, friends. It's like where they, and everybody sort of knows this, but like the voice this year will get down to the final four, but it's all pre-recorded. And each artist that was left, the last four, all had to record a, oh my God, I won. I won. I want to thank my father. I want to thank my mother. I want to thank my family. And they don't even know if they've won. They just have to fake winning. And, you know, they, they obviously do that with the MasterChef solution. MasterChef does the you same know, thing. I do hate that. But look at MasterChef, the, because they only shot one version this year, it was released. And I, I, I don't like it. You know, I it's it's really unfortunate. I wish we could have the authenticity, but I understand why they do it. Have better contracts, film one ending. With what I've been watching anyway, um, funniest ep of the year, I think, have you been paying attention last night? Love Luke McGregor. That was hilarious. They went off, well, they're not on script, but they went off and just on their own little tangent a number of times throughout so the episode. So why has that dropped off? Last night that only did 637,000. It was behind Home and Away. What did Survivor do? It was beaten by The Block. The Block did 809,000. Survivor did 690,000. And, of course, The Voice did uh, 1 million uh, and six. But The Voice, I think, was a two-hour episode or almost two hours. So that would have covered just about the entire uh, Have You Been Paying Attention audience. A fair chunk of it, yeah. Mm. So there's the impact, right? That's the impact of running a really long episode of The Voice is that it just cuts in and kills everything. But interesting to hear the block pulled, what was it, 800 and something? That's the cheating scandal. You watch that, that, that's up there, second highest episode of the year. So it's working. And a couple of um, uh, quick ones. Um, There's a new series on Apple called C with my boy crush, Jason Momoa. I don't know whether I like it because Jason Momoa's in it or it's actually really silly because it's actually (laughs) like Vikings, but they're all blind. So when they go into these big battle scenes, they're actually fighting each other with swords and they're all blind. So (laughs) they kind of miss each other. The last two things I wanted to mention, um, the chase. Now, I'm loving Larry Emder and all of that, but I just want to say something to Channel 7. Really, you need to vet these contestants that are coming in to see if they're at least somewhat smart. I will I will turn your attention to the Friday the 27th of August episode. They were so dumb and didn't know anything about anything, and I think they only got six steps at the end, and so then the chaser beat them, you know, within about 45 seconds. We don't want to see that. We actually want to see some intelligent people on the show that get to the sort of 19, 20, 21 steps so that it's a big, you know, it comes down to the last two or three seconds. I don't know where they're getting these people from, but the chase, some of the contestants are absolutely terrible. So I think we need to up the standard of um, some of the contestants on that to make the show a bit more interesting. And the last one, The Voice, I'm absolutely loving it. But I think Channel 7 listened to probably Bulk too much. 
and I say that in a, in a nice way. What Malk was saying is obviously with the with the nine series, they the blinds do very very well, and then there's that big lull in the middle, and then it rates well towards the end. So probably because of cost as well, seven have got rid of the big lull, and they've just having the blind auditions and then there's only four episodes after the blind auditions and then that's it they are culling people left right and center and it is way too fast i expect seven will obviously will stretch it out a little bit more next year but um that is way too short of a season leave them wanting more it's they won't stretch it out this is their reformatting of the format Mm -hmm. that's making them over a million viewers a night yep yeah, I just, I'm just saying they're just getting cut left, right, and centre. You're watching one episode. It was uh, five five groups per, you know, five teams per coach, and then it went down to two teams within one episode. It's just gone. Good. They're not wasting time. All right, that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Thank you for your company. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest news and information regarding the TV industry and the shows we watch. I'm Rob McKnight. Malk has been with you. Aaron Ryan's been with you. And Sarah Monaghan. This is TV Black Box. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. See you, Liz Hayes. I would like a beach house escape. (laughs) 